Hello, friends, and welcome. I am so excited to have on the show today, Natalie. She is a homeschool mom of four, two kids who she's already homeschooled and they are older, and now she is raising two little ones that she is homeschooling them as well. She raises her children to be critical thinkers and think for themselves. So I am so excited to be interviewing her today. So we are going to have an exciting show. Friends, do you want to homeschool but don't even know where to start? Are you overwhelmed or frustrated with the current school system, or are you feeling like your child is always struggling? Are you ready to say goodbye to those tedious daily morning and evening routines and start something completely different? Is your child exhausted from being at school all day and homework at night, and are you feeling stressed or burnt out from an overly hectic schedule? Well, friends, I'm here to tell you, there is a better way, and it is homeschooling. Enjoy quiet and peaceful mornings. Show your child that learning is fun and help them develop their true passions and gifts. Hi, friends. Welcome to Hooked on Homeschool. I am Dawn Janowitz, homeschool mom, wife, podcaster, and course creator. I want to give you the clarity, the confidence, the freedom, and all the strategies to teach you that it is possible to create an amazing homeschool experience that works for both you and your kids. So come on, ladies, let's go from hot mess express to fierce and fun, and let's get hooked on homeschool. Hi, Natalie. How are you? Hey, I'm great, Dawn. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, I am too. I'm so excited. I, I've known you for a while and I know you are an amazing homeschool mom and you've got some older ones and some younger ones. So you've been homeschooling for many, many years. So you've got a lot of wisdom you can teach us on how to raise homeschool kids. So excited to have you. All right. So first we're going to start off as everyone wants to know, like what prompted you? Why did you want to homeschool? I I always, this makes me laugh because so many people always have their assumptions already. And most people think it's usually religious or political, but I grew up an orphan. So I wasn't close with my family and I didn't have a lot of structure. And so I knew that I always wanted to be a stay at home mom. A homeschool mom wasn't really in the back of my head because I really didn't think of that as an option. I was growing up very mainstream where you have your kids, you know, you go to a hospital, have your kids, you put them in school and that's about it. So when it was getting time to be for my oldest to start school, I just, it didn't sit well with me. I didn't like the idea of just putting her with a stranger. I know I get to meet the teacher and everything, but I didn't know their morals or ethics. And I started looking into other options. And meanwhile, she went to kindergarten for about two months and without knowing it, she had already been advanced. So she was getting into a lot of trouble because she was bored. And it, the combination of, you know, when they're with one teacher, they might have certain rules and then they go to computer and they can't make a noise and then they go to gym and it's okay for them to sword fight. And I just didn't like the inconsistency of it, of not just what she was being taught, but her values, her morals, her ethics, her behavior, all of those things, which are so important, especially in the younger ages. It's the foundation. Instead of just education, we should be focusing on who they are, you know, how they're raising. So I just... I had, I didn't want to be away from them. So, so I was scared and I didn't buy any curriculum because I was afraid to invest money in this thing that I didn't even really know about. So I just started with some workbooks at the bookstore and just started working with, with her. And it was just so fun. I couldn't believe that people 
didn't want to be with their kids at that age. Like I remember being part of a stay-at-home mom group before then, and they were they had countdowns until their children started kindergarten. Whereas I was on the other spectrum. I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to give my little baby, my precious firstborn, to be gone all day? So so that's what led me into. I think it's just we're also like just it's what you're supposed to do when your child becomes five, you send them to school. And sometimes we don't even like think about that. We don't even think, is that right? Is that wrong? Do we want that? Do we not want that? It's just part of what we do. Right. And that's the key. It's what we want because we're not taught options. Exactly. We're just indoctrinated into doing what the government wants us to do. Right. Exactly. That's what we've been taught. So, so I'm sure you struggled. So you pulled her out of school and you didn't even really know at that time, cause she's now 21. So it was a while ago you pulled her out of school. And then like, what did your husband think? Like that must've been a big thing. Cause it was different back then. Right. Yeah. My husband was not on board at the time. He, when he heard homeschool, he's like, no, those that's for those religious fanatics that have 12 children and live on a farm. I'm not doing that. And so I just focused on the well-being of my daughter. And so, you know, when I when she started getting into trouble, it was easier for him to realize that he she was already advanced and so that I had already been homeschooling on some level sort of. And so, like I said, we didn't necessarily dive into it. It was more like a toddler crawl, but we just started with with little things, with workbooks and stuff and it, it just grew. And I think that's another thing is people freak out about homeschooling and then they think, oh, well, I'll let the schools do the hard part and then take over in middle school or high school. But the thing is, is when you start that young, I mean, homeschooling a kindergartner takes maybe an hour, if that, a day. I mean, yes, it's so easy. And it's, I mean, more of it is play and experimentation than anything. So it's so easy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's easy to crawl into. Connection. Yeah, exactly. It's, it looks way different than it, it looks so different than a seven, seven hour school day, going to school, learning, trying to compare this child with reading, this child with reading. Are they up on their standards? Are they doing all this stuff? It's like, wait a minute. What? How much of the day is spent on, okay, get in line. Okay. Raise your hand, waiting for group answers, coming back and forth from lunches or this or that. There's so much in between time where they're not really learning or bonding. And that's when they're getting into trouble or passing notes or talking about things that I don't know if I want them talking about. Yep. I mean, have you ever picked up your child from school and you said, Hey, how was your day? Fine. What'd you do? Nothing. I mean, I hear that all the time. And my son did go to kindergarten first and half a second at a public school. And that's all I got. What'd you do today? Nothing. I mean, I'm like, well, you just spent seven hours of your day there. So what would you tell a mom right now who is like thinking about pulling their kids out, whether it's kindergarten, first, second grade, and they're just like, but I don't know if I could do it. Like, I don't know how to do it. What would you, what would you tell them? Well, I would start first with, like you said, when you asked your kids what they learned at the end of the day, and you'd always get that nothing. I'd get that even when they went to co-ops. And so I forgot where I learned it. But I feel a really cool trick is like during dinner or our family mealtime or whatever, or even when I picked them up, I would ask them. And, and when I nannied, I did this too. Okay, best worst. Tell me the best thing that happened to you today and the worst thing that happened to you today. And I think if you're thinking about pulling your kids out, that's a good barometer of 
what their days are, like what are they struggling with and what are the things that they're focusing on. If their best are always the time with their friends, then they're really not learning about school or anything. So that's a good way to like grow the relationship and, and get to know your child a little bit more. So that way then when you do pull them out, you know them, you know, because I think pulling them out is a little bit more difficult than starting because a key to success is your relationship and a key to teaching them is knowing how they learn. Like my oldest, she's very much a visual learner. She can take notes all day. She can read all day. And then she's got it. She's a self-taught learner because she can read the, the directions, the instructions, see the example, and then she's got it. Learning comes so easy to her. She's She doesn't know how blessed she is. Whereas my son, he's an auditory learner. So he, I would get his history books on CD and he would listen to them as bedtime stories and he enjoyed it. And so it's just about learning how to make education fun for your kids. It doesn't need to be a struggle. Science at the young ages, oh my gosh, you can Pinterest a billion experiments that you can do with $20 at the Dollar Tree. So I think the biggest thing is just to know that it's not going to be perfect and do it anyways. It's just in the introduction of this podcast, how much praise and acknowledgement you gave me for being a homeschooler and a mom. As moms, we don't get that very often. So I think it's really good to have a support network. And here in Florida, we're lucky because it's so easy to find co-ops or groups yes. or, you know, it's abundant here. activities. And so it's easy to find even if you go to a big group and only connect with one or two people, just to have those one or two people that you can share your struggles with and remind you on a mom level that you're doing great. We all feel like we're going to fail sometimes. I've been homeschooling for 15 years and still I'm like, oh my gosh, am I doing enough? This is senior year. Like, Yeah. Well, just like being a mom, I mean, just a day to day of just when you're, even when your kids come home from school, some afternoons go amazing. Some afternoons don't. I mean, it's the same thing with homeschooling. Some days are amazing and there's going to be days that aren't and it's okay. And you don't have to make sure that every day is going to be perfect and you don't have to be accountable to anybody. So you could do what you want when you want where you want. It's such a great feeling. Now, a lot of us also homeschool because we want to instill the values that we want to put in our children. So when you took your daughter out back then, you were also a young mom. Did you think about wanting to instill any values or has that grown over time? Or do you feel like that's part of it? Yeah, it's always been about values to me because I think at the end of the day, we overvalue education and undervalue personal and character development. I think the biggest problem is so many people have a victim mentality these days and they think that the world and life is happening to them. And so when conflict, and we're not taught conflict resolution, so that way when we come with a personal conflict or a work conflict or anything goes awry, we kind of shut down and quit or pivot and, and we don't keep going. And so I wanted to really create kids who thought for themselves, who didn't have a victim mentality, who could be contributive to society in a different way than other being Google. I feel like we're just raising a bunch of little Googles that have, you know, rhetoric information memorized as opposed to nurturing true intelligence. Yes, I totally agree. I love that we are overvaluing education and undervaluing personal development. And every interview that I do, it seems like that is a common theme with homeschool moms is that they don't have to raise the smartest kid. They want to raise the best kid for their development and character and all those things. That is so good. Oh, and then just the other thing is just 
again, I really, I think that in government schools, they're not taught to question authority. And people think that it's healthy, but I think that in public school, it goes to an unhealthy level where it goes from teaching to indoctrination. And I think that's the biggest thing I have with government schools is it's, the teachers are amazing, but they're so underfunded and they're so boxed in with what they can teach and how close they can get to students and all these things that the students are just taught to be mindless listeners, you know, and so then they don't stop and think. And again, when they come to conflict, then they don't know what to do because they don't know how to stop and think of a different situation or a different way to handle it or a different way to respond and react. That's so true. And it's funny you say that because I pulled my son out in second grade when um, I got an email from the teacher saying my son asked too many questions. So if a child can't raise their hand and I get it, the teacher has, but the problem is the teacher has all this stuff they have to get through and that's the problem. But if a kid had a second grader has a thought and wants to be like, Hey, I want to add to that. I want to ask a question. I'm inquisitive. You're not taught to. And that's when I thought, well, I don't want to raise my children to think that if they have a question, they need to be told to just listen. And I totally agree with you that that is exactly what, what I, I feel is, is so big to just be obedient listeners and kids shouldn't be that way. School used to be fun when I was in school. I mean, it was fun you still listened, but you were able to debate and do all these things. But now the teachers are so overloaded with a lot of, they have to get through the curriculum. They don't have time for questions. They don't have time to have fun. Yeah. They, they're not having fun either. So there's a lot going on there. So how are, and I, I was going to say preventing questions keeps kids from enjoying learning because they ask questions when they're, when they're excited, when they want to know more. And so, you know, with homeschooling, oh, well, why does an alligator do that? Well, I don't know. Let's find out, you know, you can dive deeper and then they're allowed to enjoy learning and learn that learning is fun. And then you can stick on a YouTube video and you can actually watch something about what an alligator does instead of just listening to a teacher or look in a book. And then it gets etched in their mind Oh, it's, it's, it's so much of a greater detail and so much more fun. And, and the kids will constantly ask question. So how do you feel like you're incorporating those values um, when you're with your children every day? I have learned to become the lead learner when they have a problem. It's as a mother, it's intuitive for us to help them, for us to fix their problems. But I've learned even at an early age with my kids that meaning early in their age, even as a two-year-old, if she's struggling with something, it's okay for them to struggle. It's a huge life lesson. It's a huge learning lesson because, and my four-year-old now, she knows it's her mantra. She says it on her own. It's adorable. Practice makes progress. And that's so important to me because practice is not going to make perfect. I don't want them to think, okay, when I practice enough, I'll be perfect. Because in everything, there's always going to be room to grow and to do learn more but I want them to know that it's not going to be perfect on the first try, that it takes repetition. And if the first one doesn't go well, let's think about it. Let's take a pause and let's think how else can we do this? And I want them to to be able to solve their own problems. And even if they can't, even if they do need help, at least they stopped to pause and realize, okay, this is just a problem that I can fix. It's not the end of the world. Yep. And, and that's so great. And that's how you get kids to actually think because that 
practice makes progress. I love that. I've forgotten about that. I've heard that long time ago. And it's so important because being a perfectionist isn't, isn't really great. I mean, I know a lot of friends who are perfectionists and they actually are like, they don't like it. They don't like how it feels because it, it, it's stressful. It's very stressful. And I also tell my daughter, like whenever she says I can't do something, which she doesn't say that a whole lot now, because she'll say, mom, I'm presently struggling with. So I, whenever they say I can't, I would always say, no journey, you're presently struggling with. And so that's what she'll say now. And so I'm like, well, let me help. It's all about rephrasing different things that we think and say, and that'll totally show up in our actions. So that's really great. I love, I always love little quotes. Like we're doing little things here. What would you say is one of your favorite inspirational quotes related being to, uh, related to being a homeschool mom? What do you like? I love Emerson and there's debate whether he did the quote actually or not. So I'm just going to put that disclaimer, but it's to laugh often and much to win the respect of intelligent people and the affection of children to earn the appreciation of honest critics and endure the betrayal of false friends to appreciate beauty, to find the best in others, to leave the world a bit better, whether by a healthy child, a garden patch, or a redeemed social condition. To know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. And I, I usually just go to the end. To know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived. This is to have succeeded. Because then I, I, I emphasize a lot, even to the children, if we go to the store, I try to compliment the cashier or ask them about their day. And the amount of light that comes into their face because another human being actually acknowledged their presence, didn't treat them like a robot. Like, again, we're so busy trying to create, right, and they'll do it, but and, and that's what I want to model to them because again, it's not just about education, it's about character, it's about creating an entire human being, not just somebody who can recite the ABCs or the square roots. <laughs> yes. Yes. I get it. No, that is totally great. That's why you're such a good mom and you've been doing this for so long, but you still don't feel like you're doing it. You don't always feel like you have it together. Right. And you've been doing it for 15 years, right? Yeah. And I've never met a home. I remember even when I was doing it, you know, five or six years and I talked to other moms who had been doing it, you know, almost 20 years and everybody has imposter syndrome at least a couple times a year where we're like, are we doing this enough? Do we really know what we're doing? Is that the best curriculum? Should I have spent more money? Should I have spent less money? Are they getting socialized enough? So all those. Because there's always room to grow. So instead of really, we need to change our language. So instead of saying, are we doing enough? We should just say, wow, there are so many things to accomplish. I will get to that. We're going to get to that one day, right? It's like you said earlier about, it's not just about rephrasing, but it's about retraining your perspective too. Because when I have those doubts and those fears, what settles my soul is looking at my kids. My son, he's 17, about to be 18 and graduate. He might not know everything, especially since I've unschooled a lot with him, but he's such a good critical thinker that he knows where to go to get the information. He knows how to ask the critical questions. He knows how to be well-spoken and learn in a, in a real life, personal environment in conversation with others. He knows how to debate respectfully with an open mind so that, and accept that he might be able to learn something at all times. And so when I look at all of that, 
it makes me feel better. I'm like, it doesn't matter if he can check a bunch of boxes that the government puts there for us. He's going to be able to not only succeed, but thrive in college or a work environment as, a, as an adult. That's all. Yeah, he is. He's a great child. You, you raised a great one there, mama. Okay, mom, let's talk about you. So whenever I would meet another mom and she would say, oh, I'm not a teacher. I don't know how to homeschool. That's just not my thing. Like I wasn't a teacher either. So tell me about your story. What did you used to do? One of the most valuable things that somebody told me when I, I use that same thing, I said, I'm not a teacher. I'm not great with math. Like, I don't, I can't do that. I like, it wasn't even a, I don't think I can. When it was first proposed, I was like, I can't do that. But they told me, but what do you mean you're not a teacher? You taught them how to speak. You taught them how to walk. You taught them everything that they know so far. And, you know, by the time they're five, they know almost everything they know. Yeah, they know, they need to know academics, but they know how to function as a human being. And you did all of that. And that sat me back and was like, oh, wow, I did do that. Wow. So that's like the light bulb went on. And you're like, well, we, that's so true that people don't tell you when you're sending, when your kindergartner way zero to five years old, you did that. You created that. You taught them the English language. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. So that was powerful because that is so much and so, so big. You potty train them, you teach them to walk, you teach them to talk, you teach them the meaning of the human language. And I'm like, if I can do that. You got this. I can do everything else. There's books, there's YouTube, there's whatever I need help. And and again, I that's where I adopted the, the lead learner attitude where I might not know all the answers, but I know where to get them. I know that I can ask for help. And I know with that, I can do it, you know, and so... They say it takes a village to raise a child. And when I looked at all the possible villages and went to events with different groups, the homeschool community was what I wanted my village to be. Oh, that's so sweet. It is. It is a very good village. We're all here together doing the same thing and wanting wanting the best for our children. All right. So you've got four kids, three kids at home. So how do you balance all the daily needs of all the kids? Like what are some positive things that can help you throughout the day? That I'm, I'm very happy and grateful that I've always homeschooled, um, outside of the year and a half when I was going through my divorce. So I think to just go with the flow and, and do what works with your family. If you have to take a two hour lunch break because of nap or they need to run around or whatever, then work it out. It'll, it'll be fine. Yeah. So you had mentioned uh, the word unschooling a couple of times. So go ahead and tell, if someone doesn't know, I remember, I specifically remember when I first started homeschooling, people would say the word unschooling. And I remember I did like, what, like, why would someone unschool? I don't understand what unschooling means. Unschooling is just educating in a way that isn't typical. Traditional. 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 Yeah. So I think the best example of how I homeschool would be for world history and U.S. history for high school for my son. He took the Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Fire, and it has something akin to 215 topics or something, or 180, I forget now. And the song is, it doesn't even have lyrics. It's just him um, saying things, names, places, dates that he heard on the news or in the newspaper growing up in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And so it covers everything from communism to Marilyn Monroe to Mickey Rourke to actors, politicians, wars. And he has to take every topic in there 
and he has to research it and he has to have at least three different sources and if it's a war event then he needs to get it from two different perspectives so like communism he had to read about it from america's perspective but then he had to read communism from people who are communists and who think it's good so let me ask you one last question because i think that then all of this we're doing all this being with our kids growing them up having great character development what do you want for your kids after they graduate high school like what do you see I want them to be happy. It's a really hard question because, again, like I've spoken to you personally, I feel like there's so much pressure for children to be who they want, who their parents want them to be, to do what their parents want. And we're so busy. You know, it starts when we really never leave high school. In high school, it's, well, I have this, I have that, I'm doing this. And then when you have a baby, I remember being at homeschool groups and mom's like, well, my baby can already walk. Well, my baby can do this. My baby can do that. And then as they go older, it's it's the same. Well, my child's an AP or my child's dual enrolled. You know, we're so busy trying to use our children as a platform to show how amazing we are that we don't let them be who they are without judgment. And so I just want my children to be whoever they are and be happy and be comfortable and, and be confident. Yeah. Be happy and feel fulfilled, be successful, whatever that looks like to them or for them, whatever they define that and feel like that they'll always want to learn that they'll always love learning and to just go off and be great human beings and do what they want to do. Right. Yeah. To go back to my quote from Emerson, I want them to, I want them to want to make the world a better place, whether it's by being kind to people, why it, it's, you know, flourishing in their career and being the best at something. At some point, I just want them to look at and be happy and know that they made the world a better place in some way, big or small. Yep. And the beginning of that Emerson quote is to laugh and laugh often. And I think that is super important, super important. That is really big to me. I love to have fun. I love to laugh. I love to be with my kids and joke around and get a connection. And then we do school being intelligent, being smart and all that. You can be smart, but not have as an adult, we've all met many, many different kinds of adults. We've met people who are very smart, but they don't, they don't know how to uh, reach out, have friendships. Um, and then you meet people who are just the happiest people, but they might not be the smartest, but they're happy. And I think at the end of the day, if you're happy with inside yourself and your soul, you're doing a good job. All right. Well, Natalie, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. I hope a lot of people got a lot of value bombs out of this on how to raise critical thinkers and, and really what a homeschool life is like. So thank you so much. Very appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Okay, friend, before you go, I want to thank you for listening. And if you found this podcast helpful, I would truly be grateful if you could just take a moment and leave me a five-star review. Your review will help me improve and also reach more listeners who could really benefit from homeschooling. Until next time, happy homeschooling. Happy homeschooling.